it's great being a father. It's gr it's even better being a grandpa. So uh, if you want to try for that first, it's now you have to you have to go through the the training as a father before you can be a grandpa, I guess. Good. It's super great to be at Calvary the Hill, and I always love being with Nick. He's he's one of my four favorites, and um, yeah. All right, so let's turn in our Bibles to Acts, Acts the third and fourth chapters. Now, my chapter actually is chapter four and and these are sort of hitting the highlights in a way um but to really help us understand chapter four you needed to have gone through chapter three and we didn't in this series so i'm going to do some dramatic reading of chapter three and um because it's such an incredible story about the lame man who it appears was born lame and he was over 40 years old when he was healed by Peter and John as they were going up to the temple. So we'll read that story um, and then we'll, we'll begin to read chapter uh, four as well. Um, don't worry, we're gonna be done Lord willing, at 11.30, and it's going to be fine, all right? Even though we're going through 500 scriptures. No, not exactly 500. All right, chapter 3, the story. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, so three in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried when they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called the beautiful gate, to beg for alms as people would enter the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at the lame man, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong and leaping up. He stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw this and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. So there's this area called Solomon's Porch, where people would sometimes gather. And, and this is where uh, Peter and John were, and the man who was healed, he was there. And so they all ran over there to find out what was going on. And then it says, and when Peter saw it, he began to address the people. People of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. When he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one. And you asked for a murderer to be um, granted to you instead. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, to this. We are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. 
And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for us. Jesus, whom heaven and earth must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Incredible story. And a true story as we're going to see when we get into chapter 4. Absolutely true. No one could deny it. The enemies of Jesus wanted to deny it, but they couldn't. Now, our topic, it's all about the Holy Spirit going through Acts and Jesus. But I have the topic, the Holy Spirit's purpose. He's got plans. And you may not have known this, but he has plans for you. And we're going to look at what his purpose is for us. Because the Father and Jesus sent him to us, the helper, the comforter, to be with you. You know, some of you are going through difficult things. Some of you are going to get married on Saturday. Well, that, that sounds weird. But anyway, a, a wonderful couple is getting married this Saturday. And their family's here, and the Holy Spirit, he's going to bless that. And he's got plans for your life, all of us, every single solitary one of us. So he has a purpose. And part of that purpose is his prophetic word. He, he's given us the Bible. Do you know the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible? Did you know that? Yeah, it tells us that. Let me read it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, it tells us about this. It says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. It says in um, 2 Peter 1.18, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a la lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the, the guys and gals that wrote the Bible, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's God's word. It's, if you want to know his plans, read it. And not just on Sunday, but just whenever you can. And he'll speak to you. His word is alive and powerful and sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide between soul and spirit and joints and marrow and, and judging the thoughts and the intentions of the heart, all the emotional difficulties, the psychological issues, the you know, physical and, and moral things that we face day by day by day. He knows all about that. He's given us this book of wisdom that's the bestseller of all time. He's a, he's a good writer. Now, there's so many things here, but let's go into chapter four because we get the Holy Spirit's purpose. And chapter four is, 
it's difficult because it's about persecution. And we'll talk a bit about that. Chapter 4, let's look at this. Let's read 1 through about 20-something. We'll look at that. Okay. Okay, so as Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were preaching to the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested Peter and John and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. So the church grew 2,000 people through Peter. I mean, you know, him and John, they came up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which one of the hours of prayer was three in the afternoon. So they're coming up for afternoon prayer. They're probably coming up to pray. Now that's one of God's plans. And the Holy Spirit knows our weakness, that sometimes we don't know what to pray or how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself stirs you within to pray and will enable you through groanings which cannot even be uttered. You don't know what to pray for sometimes. And so he can give you just your groaning and he knows exactly because the Father and Jesus obviously knows what the Spirit is saying and they're going to answer. Isn't that awesome? You don't even have to know what you're praying for. You can just be groaning saying, Lord, this is a burden, this is heavy, whatever it is. So they're going up there to pray. Now, there happens to be a guy there who's lame. Now, he'd been there for like mm, a lot of years. And I don't know if Peter and John were thinking, hey, while we're going to the prayer meeting, let's heal that lame guy. Probably not. They may have seen him before because, like I said, they'd been to the temple area and He'd been at the beautiful gate day after day after day. And so they tell him, look at us. And the lame man looks at him, mainly because he wants money. Because he's asking for alms. But Peter says, we're preachers, we don't have any. But there's something even better. What we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Healer, the Anointed One, the Messiah, is what the word anoint means, anointed Messiah, okay, in case you didn't know. The Christ in Greek means Messiah. This is the King, the Son of God that came, and he died for us. And he rose again. And in his name, rise up and walk. And then Peter goes over and takes his hand and lifts him up. I don't recommend you doing that unless you really feel led. That it's something, and God still does things like this. But only do it as God shows you and makes it very, very clear. But Peter lifts him up and then he starts jumping around because God healed him. His ankles and his feet were strengthened, it says. God is in charge of not just spiritual things and religious things. He knows everything about everything. And he loves people physically as well in their needs. And he still heals people. And, he, and we can ask. You can always ask. He may or he may not do it, but he, you can ask. And we pray because of Jesus. Jesus has given us access. And so they came up to pray. The Lord healed someone, and it turned out to be a good preaching opportunity. Now, all of this is part of his plans. Part of his plans. 
if you're here as a believer in Jesus and you'd like to tell people about Jesus, but you find it difficult, I'll tell you an easy way to tell people about Jesus. Okay, you know how when you talk to people and a lot of times they'll want to tell you things they're going through. And then they might tell you about problems that they're facing. Or they might tell you about, you know, something really painful that's going on in their life. Maybe they'll talk to you about, you know, an illness or something that's happening or a broken relationship or, you know, these types of things. So they'll, they'll kind of bear their heart a little bit. If you're a person that you'd like to tell people the gospel, but you find it difficult, here's the easiest way in, that I know of. When anyone ever tells you anything about a need in their life or someone they care about or someone they're talking to you about, here's all you have to do. You say, oh, wow. Hey, can we stop for a second? Do you mind if I pray for that? And I've never had anyone stop me from doing that except one person. And I said, okay, I won't do it right now. But as I leave, I'm going to be praying for that need. And if anything happens, give me a call. Here's my number. Okay, I'm a little bit bold, you know. But I want to encourage you. It's so easy to say, can I pray with you about that? I'm telling you, people will allow you to do that. And you can pray silently. Or you can pray out loud either way. But it's so amazing what the Lord can do. So this preaching thing happened. And then persecution began. Persecution. What, where did we leave off? What verse did we? What was the last verse we read? End of chapter 3. So let's start at chapter 4, verse 1. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed, and they arrested them. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number increased to 5,000. So I think that's where we left off. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. That was the high priestly family. So it says, and all who were of the high priestly family. Basically, you know what all those people are? They're the Sanhedrin. These are the rulers of Israel. And it was the high priestly family, and it, it included Sadducees, which, which were like liberal oriented believers um, and then there were some Pharisees who were very you know conservative type of believers and and then there were it says uh, rulers and high priestly family this made up the Sanhedrin which was the supreme court of Israel and so they brought him in and they said when they had set them in the midst, verse 7, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been held? I mean, if you're really mad and you want to arrest us because we've healed a crippled person, I just want to explain to you how it happened. Isn't that something that you could be doing the best deed, but if the leaders are wicked, you could get in trouble. If you're examining us about this, this lame man that was healed. And so when they had set them in the midst, they asked them by what name and Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Now notice he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see he's filled with the Holy Spirit later on, too. So we'll explain that. Because you can get filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Did you know that? Every single day. It's awesome. And I'll explain why we need to 
to have that happen. All right. So Peter said, um, if we're being examined concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone and their salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So not only did they have opportunity to speak in the porch of Solomon to the people, the, just the regular people that came up to the temple and 2,000 came to faith, but now they're preaching to the Sanhedrin. So the Lord's opened up a door by being arrested. And so here they are, and Peter's explaining the whole thing. And he says that, um, let it be known to you, verse 10, all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. Now, they're really direct. You know what I've had to come to grips with? My sins crucified Jesus. He prayed to the Father, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. If it's possible for people to be saved, to, to not have to drink the cup of God's wrath, or God's judgment. There's some other way. Let this cup pass from me. But there wasn't another way. There had to be a substitute who had no sin. Who could take all of our sin. And be condemned in our place. You nailed him to the cross. He's telling these guys. Now they're the ones who'd cried out, crucify him, crucify him. You know, release to us Barabbas, a robber. Let him loose. Kill this guy. Now, it takes a while for people to grasp why they need Jesus so bad. But all you have to do is look at your need, that God loves you. But he's a holy God. And he wants you to know him. And he sent his own son to take away your sins so that you could be redeemed and restored to him. That's why you need him. That's why I need him. He did it because I couldn't be saved and rejoined with God without him. That's what happened. By, the, by him, this man is standing before you well, verse 10. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. You, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And by the way, that's a quote from Scripture, Psalm 118, that Peter's telling them. It's always good when you're preaching if you use the Bible. Because that helps people see. It, it gets in there. It's the gospel that saves people. And I don't know about you, but I want to encourage you. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It doesn't matter who, who you're talking to. If they'll believe what you're saying, that all it takes is someone to tell them, he died for you too. And rose again, conquering death. And there's more evidence to prove that he rose again than almost any act of history that we know about. 
because eyewitnesses saw him and they wrote it down and they were still alive when it was supposed to be challenged, but no one could challenge it. And it's come down to us that he rose again. So the plans of the Holy Spirit, prayer, but also persecution. And sharing the good news. This is part of it. And so we pick up again, verse 12 of Acts 4, and there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among people by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and received, or perceived rather, that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Now, there's a couple things there. They, they were uneducated men. Hey, Jesus had just taught them for three straight years. I would love to have an education like that. But they did notice he had been with Jesus. We've seen this before. That's one of the amazing things. You know, it's hard to kill a worm. In Psalm um, 22, verse 6, the Messiah is praying while he's on the cross. It's, it's a messianic psalm. Psalm 22, and all that happened to him. Some people think Jesus quoted the whole thing on the cross. But in Psalm 22, 6, he said, I'm a worm and not a man. Because he was bearing all the darkness and sin and fleshiness of humanity in our place. But it's hard to kill a worm. You can chop them up, but each one will become a worm. You can resist Jesus. You can reject Jesus. He's still going to be talking to you. And if you'll open your heart, you'll become like him. Not in the same of being God, the son, but in the same of the restoration of the image of God on your life. You see, when people fell, Adam and Eve, when they ate the forbidden fruit, they brought us all down. And in our natural selves, we're fallen. even though God created us in the image of God. And it says he created male and female in the image of God. And those are the only two genders we have as humans. And you say, how do you know that? God said so. God creates those things. And, you know, we get really heady and like, oh, wow, we've learned something new that no other generation has ever known. Yeah, and it's messed up, too. And it's hurting a lot of people. But the Lord wants to forgive. And he wants to show them how real he is because he cares. You say, Wayne, are you able to talk to people that struggle with these types of things? Yeah. And I love them. But I'm also going to be honest. We've led a lot of transgender, a lot of um, gay people, a lot of a lot of kinds of people. All of us are sinners. We all need Jesus. But we first need to come to God and say, what is your plan for my life? I can't say your plan for your own life is just what God wants. I could never say that if it's contrary to his word. I couldn't say that. I think it's right to speak the truth in love, but only when people are ready and God says it's time. It's awesome. And so Peter's preaching to the Sanhedrin, and listen to this. This is so good. It says, 
they didn't know how to answer them. And so in verse 16, they said, what should we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We can't deny it. But, now here they are, they're talking it over. Wow, what should we do? We can't deny it. It happened. But we've got to stop it. Isn't that weird? Something real, something true has happened. It's evidently God. But we want to stop it. So what should we tell them? In order that they may spread no further this teaching among the people, let us warn them not to speak anymore to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, well, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, say, let's just threaten them a little bit more, they let them go, finding no one to punish them because of the people. For all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. And when they were released, what did the disciples do? They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord. So they go back to prayer. You know, things are happening in your life. Hard things are happening. Incredible things. 2,000 people believe. Wow, that is so amazing. Now we're being threatened and we'll beat the tar out of you. If you don't do what, you know, what we say, don't speak in this name anymore. Sorry, but we're going to speak in that name. We don't know what you think. You've heard the whole thing. You can't deny it's a notable miracle. But you're never going to speak about it because you think it's bad, it's wrong. But we don't, we don't have that kind of weird courage that you have but we have a courage that says we're going to keep doing it. Even if it's underground, we're going to do it. And that's the way it's been. You know, for all the years of Christianity, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. What is a martyr? It's interesting, the word for sin is in Greek, martis. What is a martis? It's someone who doesn't want to live for God. What's a martyr? Someone who's willing to live completely for God because he's worth dying for. If there's anything, dear people who hear my voice, if there's anything that's worth living for that will bless you, your family, your neighbors, it's living for Jesus. It's putting him in the center of things. And so they prayed. And this is what they prayed. In verse 26, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles or the nations, why did they rage? And the people plot. In Psalm 2, it's plotting against God and his Messiah. It's a quote from Psalm 2. The people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed, his Messiah. For truly in this city, they go on, they were, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, Messiah again. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate condemned Jesus, okay? These were the guys who say, okay, yeah, we'll crucify him. Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan, God, 
had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Incredible boldness. They kept, kept speaking it. Now they were with their own people. They went back to the, kind of to the church, you know. You come, you come to the church and you want to get encouraged and comforted. What encouraged and comforted them? That even though they were being persecuted, the Lord knew it would happen. And he predestined everything that led to the gospel, that led to prayer, that led to Jesus being glorified. He predestined all that. In the midst of the crossfire, believers are being persecuted. That's not easy. But even in that, people can see how real God is, that he's worth it. But even more than that, when we're foretold that this is going to be part of it, it gives us comfort. Because Jesus said, remember in the Sermon on the Mount, and the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are those have been, who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people cast insults at you, persecute you, say all kinds of evil against you falsely. On account of me, rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You're in good company, Jesus said. You're in the right company. If sometimes people are, they don't like you because of your faith, you're in the right company. But beware, it says in Luke, when all people speak well of you. You know, sometimes we want to please people so much. And, and we're cowards, too. We don't want to just be honest and say what they need. They need God's love. They need Jesus. Cleansing blood to wash them. They need that. I don't mind being so direct as to say people all around you in your neighborhoods Unless they realize their need, at, at some point, they're going to hell. You say, well, I don't believe in hell. But Jesus did. Do you know he spoke about hell seven times more than he spoke about heaven? Not because he liked it. Because he didn't want people to go there. But broad is the way. The cool way. The broad way that leads to destruction. And many are those that find it. But narrow is the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's a simple way. He's the way. But it's narrow and few are those who find it. We have the most glorious privilege to tell people about it and to pass the word. Let's make sure I'm not getting too long. Okay, cool. We've got exactly 14 minutes, but I'm going to end sooner than that. Okay. Hey, this is real. The Holy Spirit has a purpose and he has plans. It really, really includes prayer. If you think of your own situation, you say, I haven't really been a praying person. You need to change that. Because the Lord wants to talk to you. And he doesn't mind a one-way conversation. But not all the time. 
because he wants to hear your voice and hear your heart open up and receive him because he cares. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's a promise I don't like to claim. But that's what it says. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I want to live godly. And a lot of times I fall short of that. But he gives me the Holy Spirit so I can live godly. And I cannot be afraid to live for Jesus and tell people about him. You know, Peter, he was the one that was used to heal the lame man. He said in 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8, quote, righteous Lot. Now, Lot was the nephew of Abraham, if you remember the story. Righteous Lot was oppressed. Why? Because he lived in Sodom. He's, he was oppressed, Peter said, by the sensual behavior of the unprincipled people of Sodom. And he felt his righteous soul tormented by their godless deeds. Now, we live in Seattle. And I travel around a lot, the country and so on. And when I say I'm from Seattle, it's, they're not as pleasant as they used to be. Like, is that the place where they had all those riots and stuff and looting? I go, yeah, but it was a very small minority. But yeah, it's getting darker. Is it close to being Sodom? It's close. It's difficult. We're right in the middle of it. Right here. On this hill. And I commend this church, it is a beacon light. It is so awesome. We're so thankful for it. You might feel some of the oppression and mistreatment, insults. But it's a comfort to know that you're blessed if you're being opposed. You know, when you're going against the grain, you're going to get slivers. The culture is dark. It's getting darker. But the Lord wants you to brighten up and to be that light that he can pour in through the oil of the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of the quotes in Acts 3 and 4 came from Psalms, and almost every one, like Psalm 2 we mentioned, speak no, not only of the first coming of Jesus, but the second coming. And in the second coming, it is going to get dark. Eventually, the Bible says there's going to be a man called the Antichrist and a false prophet. And the world's going to be deceived. And there is going to be wars. And Revelation speaks that there's going to be pandemics. How many have been in many pandemics? I've never been in a pandemic till this one. Have you been in one before, this one? I know it comes and goes. You know, it kind of comes and goes, but go, go ahead. Say again. There might have been, but I wasn't alive. You know, the, what was it, the Spanish flu, or what was the call of the flu? Anyway, pandemic. There's never been a pandemic in... 70 years since I've been here. And now there is. And there's people whose love is growing cold because of the hate and the division. The Bible said that would happen. The Bible said there would be people putting down the believers. Paul said difficult times will come. And in that context... He said, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's part of the signs. Now you might say, well, Wayne, do you think Jesus is coming soon? Is that what you're saying? I think he is, but I don't know. I don't predict. 
He said, no one knows the hour of the day. One thing we can say for sure, it's nearer than it's ever been because we're all getting older. But regardless, he wants to let you know that as a believer, as one of his children, he's going to guard you. You may go through some super hard stuff, but he's still going to be there for you through the entire thing, no matter what it is. Because he loves you and he cares for you. So what did the early church friends do when they heard this bad news about persecution regarding Peter and John? They went right back to prayer. Okay, so they're praying Peter and John as they go up to the temple. Then they get all persecuted and they get arrested. And now they come back to their friends and all the friends want to do after they heard what happened is, let's pray. And the Lord answered because look at verse 35. He answered again what we need so badly. I was on the wrong page, sorry. Uh, Acts verse uh, 31 says that when they had prayed the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness so they were they were given great grace and great power Look at verse 33, all right? I love this verse. With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony, continuing to give it to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon him. And as a result, there was not a needy person among them because they would go and sell their lands and houses and bring back the proceeds in order to take care of the people that had need. And so Barnabas, for example, Barnabas was one of those guys. He's the son of encouragement. He went out and sold his place. He brought the money and bought food and, and protection and housing and whatever was needed. See, we all have a part. Not everyone's called to get up and preach or anything, but we can all be witnesses. You know, we could be one of those that helps give out food. I guess one of the Sundays is needed. So if there's someone here who could maybe help with that, that is so great. Last time I was here, I had lunch with those people. Man, you guys eat well. It's awesome. We had like, I had eight pieces of pizza. <laughs> I was praising God. I don't eat that good at our church, I'll tell you that. But it's just exciting. Yes, persecution, but also great grace and great power. Why and how? Because that's what the Holy Spirit gives when he fills you. And he wants to fill you over and over. And I have a feeling I'm all done. Let me check. Yep, I'm exactly done. But I do want to say one more thing. Because I'm a preacher. Okay, great grace, that's what he gives. He says, I'm with you. And they were able to love each other in the flock and meet the needs. Why? The Holy Spirit, the number one fruit of the Spirit is love. And then great power to have courage to tell the good news and not be afraid. But you might say, well, Wayne, it says here they were filled with the Spirit a couple times. Can you be filled with the Spirit more than once? The answer is yeah. In fact, the Lord has shown me that every morning when I wake up, he wants me to ask him to fill me with the Spirit again. Not that the Spirit is like water poured into a jar. It just means the Holy Spirit empowering and comforting and encouraging so that you can go out and do his plans. Because no matter what you're doing, you might be working, you might be going to school, no matter what you're doing, he has plans in it. And he wants to reward you for doing those plans. Because he loves you. Plus, there's this one issue. 
We're holy as believers. We're holy. And not just H-O-L-Y, but H-O-L-E-Y. In other words, we're leaky vessels. We're filled with the Spirit, but then the flesh, yikes, I got a hole in it. So I need to get under the faucet every day. Holy Spirit, I need your strength. I need your grace. I want to know your plans. I love your book. Bestseller, way to go. Fill my mind with your word. That's what it means when it says the Holy Spirit has a purpose. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for these dear people. Thank you for their patience. Lord, I ask that you would help them. Help them open up and receive all that you want to give them. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to pray for those who would say this. I don't really have that kind of close contact and personal relationship with God that you've described today, Pastor Wayne, but I really want that. So would you pray for me? While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you would say, that's my need. I, I want that kind of relationship with him. Pray for me. Put up your hand. Would you? I'd like to pray for you. Yeah. Yes. God bless you. Anyone else? You would say, I want that with Jesus. Yes. Yes, sir. God bless you. Anybody else? You would say, I need him. Yes. Yes. Maybe you've never had a close relationship. He cares about you. Would you put up your hand and say, I want that. I want that. Yes. Yes. Then let's pray. And you could repeat a prayer like this after me if you would. Just, just quietly where you're seated. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive me of my selfish ways. Forgive me of the wrong things that I do and I have done. Jesus, wash me inside with your cleansing sacrifice and fill me with your spirit, your spirit of grace, your spirit of power to walk close to God. your spirit of purpose for my life. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me today as we worship now. Fill me in closing, Lord. Let's all stand and sing this song in closing. Or these songs. <laughs>